thank y'all. Thank y'all. Now, before we get rolling, I'd love to be able to see you. It's kind of hard with it. Can we pull up the full house lights, the tech guys? Because I would love to be able to see everybody. I don't know. So if we pull up all the house lights, I just look. Yeah, that's what I like. I like to be able to see you. Um, let's start our time together. A quick prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, today we pray for the gift of purity so we can be free to love. We entrust our time together to Our Lady as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, to get started, I need a guy volunteer from the audience. And a good, good, brave guy. So, I, I don't know. Like We're getting a lot of... Well, he's raised his hand. Give him a hand. Come on up here. He's a willing victim. Uh, come on down here. Come on. Okay, great thing. Come on up now. What, what's your name? Adrian. Adrian. Good to meet you, Adrian. Now, Adrian, uh, do you do you know what this talk is about? Love or loss? Yes, yes. So it's like a dating relationship, chastity thing. So we got to cover issues like uh, like how far is too far to go with a girl on a date, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, so yeah. So so Adrian and I, Adrian and I, uh, yeah yeah. He and I are actually going to show you guys how far is too far to go on a date. Okay. Uh, so he's excited. Yeah, you are. Uh, now, so in order to do this. So in order to do this, I'm going to be the guy, Adrian's going to be the girl, okay? So now, so, so Adrian and I, uh, we decide to go for a date, right? Uh, so we go for a date at the Grand Canyon. So let's say the canyon's here, and I start to think, now, how far do you think I'd get my beloved here to the edge of the Grand Canyon without actually throwing Adrian off the Grand Canyon? Now, there's only one way to find how far you can go, so I've got to pick you up into my arms, all right? So hold on, this is your left hand. Then you just hold on. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Now let's see now. Now now how far how far can we go to the edge? Let's find out. Let's see. Uh, can we go further? No, not good. Okay. He says he's good. Come on, a little further? No, no, no. Uh, should I drop him? Yeah, no, no. We'll drop you. Take a seat. Give him a hand. Good job, Adrian. Thank you very much. Good sport. Good man. Now Now what's Now what's the what's the point of that whole dumb thing? The point of that is this. No guy is going to go on a date with a girl thinking about, you know, how close can I get to killing her? I mean, you don't ask the question. But when I was in high school, this is the question we had about girls in religion class. We'd be like, well, how far can you go with a girl? Can we do this with her? Can we do that with her? Our school would give us these sex talks, right? You know, where someone gets up there and they'd be like, sex is bad, sex is dirty, you're going to die. And it was, it was shame. It was guilt. All they tried to do is scare you. And it was useless. So we'd walk out of these talks thinking like, what? All God cares is making sure I don't go too far with the girls. But to prove to you God's got a bigger plan, I was in Boston, met a guy named Kevin. He fell in love with a girl. They decided to get married. They go to church getting ready for the wedding. The priest is going through their paperwork. He said, hey, look at that. You guys got baptized in the same church when you were babies. They're like, oh, that's cool. We didn't know that. He looked closer. He said, yeah, you guys got baptized on the same day in the same church as babies. They went to their parents' photo album. Sure enough, found a picture of the two babies getting baptized together years before they'd ever meet again. So you never know what God's up to. You might be sitting right next to your future spouse right now. Huh? Yeah. Not, not, yeah, not everybody. Sorry. Yeah. Sister's taken. Uh, now, I am... Um, yeah, one spouse per person now. I didn't think, though... I didn't think... I didn't think God had some big plan for my relationships. So the relationships I got in... 
relationships I got in tended to be very physical, very fast. I remember in high school, I hooked up with this girl and we're doing stuff and came to the point and I had to ask myself, I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, well, should I give this girl my virginity? And I thought, well, I thought, well, I've already known her. I've already known her for three days. And, and I could hear, I could hear this voice in me that said, Jason, this gift is not for her. It's for me. Please wait for me. And we cool things down. I was able to hold on to my virginity. And for people of virgins, I say, good for you. I've got right here what's considered to be the most comprehensive sex research ever done. It's about 700 pages. And what they found here, this is page 503, is that people who get married as virgins have a divorce rate that's about 70% lower than those who won't wait for marriage. Now, some people think, well, that's great and all, but look, I'm not a virgin, or I had my virginity taken from me. Does that mean I'll have a messed up marriage? If you're like me, you're so sick of all the divorce. We were at a high school in Washington. After the talk, a, a year 11 student came up. He said, Jason, I know what you mean about divorce. He said, Jason, my dad is on his ninth marriage. The boy was 16. He's watched his dad get eight divorces. Nobody in here wants a divorce, but how are you gonna stop it? I'll suggest one thing, and that's if you hope to get married, that means you want to promise somebody, I'm going to love you and honor you all the days of my life. Okay, today is the day of your life. Are you willing to love and honor that person before you meet them? And what I mean is this, biggest question I always get, how far can you go? Easy way to answer. We're at a high school in Chicago, all boys high school, 800 boys. After the talk, guy raised his hand. He said, okay, Jason, your talk was fun, but uh, can we get specific? I said, sure. He said, I wanna know exactly how far I can go with my, my girlfriend. And I said, that's a fair question. What do you wanna do with her? And he was like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. I said, okay, we're not in third grade. We can mature specific, what do you wanna do? And he's like, cool, can we do this and this? And he went through a whole list of things. I said, that's charming, slow down, pick one. I said, look, I'm gonna have you answer your own question. Do you wanna get married one day? He said, yeah, I'm gonna get married. I said, now, if you're gonna get married, that means your future wife, she's out there somewhere right now, isn't she? First time ever, he thought about his future bride. And he said, yeah, she was out there, cool. And I go, but let's say she doesn't live here in Chicago. Let's say she's wrong from at the time, California. School's getting out right now. She's coming home from class with her boyfriend, who's a guy you're never gonna meet. And he's got his arm around your future wife. And he's saying, mm-mm, baby girl, I love you so much. Your eyes are so beautiful. You're amazing just the way you are. And she's like, oh, you're so sweet. And he walks her home and he sits her on the couch. He's like, hey, baby girl, you feeling fine? Because you looking fine. <laughs> and she's like, stop, stop. And I, um, I said to the guy, I was like, man, I'm like, you know, you know what's going on in that couch with Mr. Riz. You know what's going on right there. And the guy's like, I know. I'm like, that guy, that guy is emotionally manipulating your future wife and doing some sexual thing with him, trying to make her think that if she gives him that, he'll like her more when he's just using her more. I go, does that bug you? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, you don't know. That guy doing that with your future wife doesn't bother you. He's like, well, the guy next to him in class is like, oh, I'd be ticked off. And he smacked him in the head and I, I broke him up. I said, look, if you don't want somebody else doing that with the person you're going to marry, just set the same standard on yourself. And this is not some condemnation of any of us. It's a calling to real love. I'm not going to stand in front of the guys in here today and be like, you have to be like me. 
That's a joke. You're a guy. I'm a guy. We're the same. Every guy in here has these temptations to lust or use, but a deeper desire to sacrifice and love. And there's tension going on. What I want you girls to realize, the guys you're sitting next to every day in class, all of us have been lied to about what it means to be a man. We're supposed to learn about manhood from our dads. But girls, think about it. That some of us haven't even seen our dads since we were three. Even if you have a great dad, we've still been lied to about manhood everywhere else. Being told, you want to be a man today? You got to get some of the ladies. If you get some of the girls, you're the man. Everything's about sex. Basic message is if you're still a virgin, something's wrong with you. But then if you're not a virgin, it's kind of late for you. It's too late. It's all you ever hear. And it gets old because even as guys, we do want love. But we get lost trying to find it. But God offers it. In the Bible, there's one passage guys have to know to love the women. Ephesians 5, St. Paul says to the guys, husbands, Love your wife like Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her to make her holy. To do this, the Gospel of Luke said Jesus was praying in the agony in the garden. It said his sweat became like drops of blood and fell on the ground. I know some of you will become doctors, you'll learn about this. It's called hematidrosis, which means under extreme stress, capillaries in the skin can rise up, come in contact with sweat glands that burst and you bleed from the pores of your skin. Your body becomes a bleeding bruise. And then they'd scourge him. Scourging means they strip you naked, they wrap your arms around a pillar so the back's exposed, and they come up to them with whips. At the end of the whips are fishing hooks, fishing weights, pieces of glass and metal, torture him, but he's almost dead, beat the crown of thorns into his head, carries the cross about 600 yards, strip him naked, pierce him probably through the wrists, and for hours he hangs there to give himself up for his bride, the church, us. And then St. Paul says, you guys want to get married one day? You'd be ready to love a woman just like that. And guys hear that. It's like, okay, crucify myself for a girl. How do you do that? I think it begins by not sacrificing the girls for the sake of ourselves, which is what I picked up in high school. Because the influence for me back then are the pornography. And I think porn is the best way to shoot your future marriage in the head. Teaching me, you girls are things to be used. And when I get bored with you, I'll go to the next fantasy. High school, we laugh it off. We're like, I'm not getting anyone pregnant. We're just appreciating women. We laugh it off. Porn was everywhere. Buddies had it. Your friends had it. First porn I ever saw, I was in second grade. I mean, we were riding our bikes in the neighborhood and found some dirty magazine in the street. I'm like, what's that? I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. Like, what do we do with it? My friend said, let's keep it. I'm like, yeah, where do we put it? He said, let's put it at your house. I said, that's a good idea. So ride the bikes to the house, and we get there. I'm like, I'm not putting it inside. I'm not getting busted. I had never seen porn before, but I knew something was wrong. So I I said, I know what to do. So we ripped out all our favorite pictures, crumpled them up in little balls, and we shoved them into bushes in front of the house. We'd come outside, look at them when we wanted. Now, problem is, my dad trimmed the hedges Saturday afternoon, found porn growing on the plants out front. So I got freaking busted by the porn plant. But like, we got back into it. My high school, it was everywhere. I'm not making it up. One guy in my high school actually passed out porn from his locker to anyone who would vote for him as senior class vice president. He's in the hallway. Vote for Travis. Vote for Travis. I don't know where he is today. He's probably in parliament by now. But like, we would just laugh it off. Oh, it's not a big deal. And I know right now, there's guys in the audience. You may be thinking, whatever, I got some stuff on my phone. I'm not addicted. No one's getting hurt. And when a guy desperately tries convincing himself porn is not a problem, the boy gets emasculated. Emasculation means that a young man is robbed of the ability to be masculine. You look at a crucifix, masculinity. Lover empties himself for the beloved. Porn flips it backwards. Guys learn to empty ladies for the sake of ourselves. We missed the point where God made us men. And we didn't even know what we're looking at in the porn. Because when you're looking at porn, you're not looking at some naked body. 
I mean, we're looking at somebody's daughter who's probably sexually abused as a little girl, but we just laugh it all off and call ourselves gentlemen for enjoying this. Some of the girls in porn aren't even alive. Porn stars have a huge mortality rate. Death by drug overdose, murder, suicide. I got an email from a grandpa. His friend's granddaughter was in the porn industry. Now, she died of a cocaine overdose. After the funeral, the grandpa emails me. And he said, you ever think how sad it is? Like how many guys out there are still lusting after pictures of this girl on their phone without even knowing or caring if she's dead or alive? I mean, the sickness of lusting after a girl who could be in her grave right now should make any guy that looks at porn step back and think, man, what have women become to me? What have I become to women? Some of the girls in porn aren't even human beings. With AI, they can just completely generate her from head to toe. She does not exist. They've used in some of these magazines cover girls that are completely fake. But scientists found if a guy gets hooked on years of internet porn, it will actually sculpt the structure of your brain to expect every woman to live up to this fantasy of a disposable supermodel. And where does it leave a wife one day? I mean, you think about it today, in one afternoon of looking at porn, a guy could see more perfect women's bodies than any man in history could have ever have seen in hundreds of lifetimes. And you get it in one afternoon with no effort, commitment, well, he's back the next day, back the next week. You do it for a couple of years. Jump into marriage, think you're gonna be captivated by one till death do you part, it doesn't happen. My buddy in college had all the porn and he figured, oh, I'll throw it away before I get married. I went to his wedding, it was a beautiful wedding. He was divorced in three months. All he did was take all that lust he had for porn, look at his bride that way, marriage is over as soon as it started. One high school girl said to me, she said, Jason, I found out my dad looks at porn. She said, I used to look up to him, now I can't even look at him, I thought he was a better man than that. She's like, Jason, my dad is lusting after girls who are two years older than I am while my mom's sleeping in the next room, then he erases internet history, thinks we don't know kisses my mom and goes to work the next day. She said, it makes me sick how much I resent that guy. Every guy in this room knows right now that is not the husband I'm gonna be. That's not the father I wanna be. I'm not gonna be some 30-year-old porn-addicted dad who's gotta slap his laptop shut when my five-year-old girl comes in the room because she can't see what dad's seeing. It's not the father I'm gonna be. That's why if you trash the porn now and forever, you are being faithful to your bride before you ever lay eyes upon her. And, and unfortunately, there's a huge myth right now that porn is a guy problem. Girls, no, girls would never look at that. Girls struggle with modesty and emotional issues, but never porn. It's not true. I know a girl who struggled it for years. She said, you know, when you're a guy who looks at porn, they all know they're into it. It's like they're in this big prison together. Oh, we're all stuck in porn. One day we'll get out of here. But she said, when you're the girl who looks at it, she said, yeah, it feels like prison, but it's kind of more like solitary confinement because you think you're the only girl there. But the fact is, lust isn't some guy problem. It's a human problem. I don't know if you saw Billie Eilish. She was on the Howard Stern Show. The middle of the interview, Billie Eilish, out of nowhere, just brings up, she first got exposed to porn when she was an 11-year-old girl. And I wrote down what she said. I mean, this is Billie Eilish. She said, the porn, I think it really destroyed my brain. I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn. I got nightmares, sleep paralysis, night terrors from it. And then she said I started dating guys and I was not saying no to the things I should have said no to. But she said I thought that that's what I was supposed to be attracted to. I'm just so angry that porn is so loved and I am so angry at myself for thinking that it was okay. But like her, a lot of girls start looking out of curiosity. What do I need to look like? What do I need to do? Where, what do I need, who do I need to be? But like women, you were never created to be porn. You're created to be loved. And if we get rid of that junk, we can be free to love. And I don't think you boys the problem. Don't get me wrong. I think teenage boys the solution to the problem. I got research back me up. 
You ever wonder how many high school students having sex? I'm like, everybody's doing it? Well, here's the numbers. They've been studying this for more than 30 years. They've found in the last three decades, the rates of sexual activity among high school students have constantly been going down. Last year is the lowest they've ever recorded so far. 20% of high school students are currently sexually active. 30% have ever had sex, meaning most high school students are virgins. And then this came out 15 years of research. High school boys' sexual activity is now going down twice as fast as the girls. And people hear that and like, what? That can't be true. That wasn't on Snapchat. Are you sure that's a reliable source you have? But the change is going on, but you don't hear about it because nobody talks about it. One guy came up to me and he's like, can we talk? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, can we talk over there? I'm like, yeah, should we go over here? He's like, can we go in the corner? And I'm like, we're in this dark little corner. And I'm like, what's going on with you? He said, I'm a virgin. And I'm like, I thought you were going to tell me you had leprosy. I mean, this is a good thing. More people are choosing it. People are starting over. In fact, they found two out of three high school students who have had sex privately admit they wish they waited longer. It was kind of a disappointment. There's a change that's going on. It's happened at the girls. Uh, Modesty's making a comeback. I saw this on the magazine rack. Vogue magazine, naughty versus nice, why showing skin is no longer in. It's a big fashion article showing how modesty is making a comeback. And I'll admit, as a guy, I don't know the pressure you girls are under. Look perfect, eat perfect. My wife was at a toy store, saw a Barbie doll. She's like, ugh, I have to show that to Jason. So she bought me a Barbie doll. And uh, it's for work. And uh, this, is a, this is what they're giving little girls to play with now. Dude, she got fishnet stockings, short skirt, strapless top. I didn't know what girls call these tops. What is it, like a napkin top for you or something? And people complained about it. Like, Barbie's too skinny. It's not realistic. So you know what the toy company did? They just made her skinny. Skinnier. So this is what they're giving little girls to play with now. I mean, look at this thing. Like, this is wrong. Like, look, I'm not some dietitian, but I know something's missing from your diet if your arms come off like that, okay? And girls, you've been told since you've been wearing diapers, you know, behold womanhood. You know, you too can be a woman, okay? So for dinner tonight, you can have a grain of rice. For dessert, you can have an ice cube. Not too many go straight to your hips. But as long as you girls look like that, man, you're going to be loved. And you know it's a joke. You understand it's fake. Like, you don't understand. Like, it's all fake. Cindy Crawford is a swimsuit model and a model for Revlon makeup. Revlon thought she was a little too fat for them. So the computers, they made her arms skinny in their advertisements. Like, real womanhood isn't shown to you. It's shown you beer commercials telling you your body, it's disgusting. Hate your body, hate yourself. And a girl's desire just to look pretty. You look at some magazine, you think, well, pff, I look like her. I'm sure I'd be loved too. But girls, think about it. The women in the world who have the most perfect bodies, do they have the most perfect relationships? No, they often have the most messed up ones. Think of the people you know who have the most perfect love. Do they have perfect bodies? No, they're like 80 years old, overweight and wrinkly, but they have love because the perfect body doesn't get you perfect love. But you see the image and you think, if I look like that, I'd be loved. And it sounds like it makes sense. What happens is this. Girls, look, we love you, but we're different than you when it comes to sexuality. We get seduced differently. I think a lot of girls today are getting seduced through their ears like a boy gets seduced through his eyes. Girls often get seduced by what they hear a boy telling them. Oh, baby, I've never felt this way about a girl before. Oh, really? That doesn't work with the guys. We don't get seduced that way. We get seduced through the eyes. Perfect example. I'm eating dinner at a restaurant, Chicago. I walk in the guy's bathroom. As soon as I walk in, there's a massive photograph of five women's sexy legs. First thing I thought is, yeah, I wonder if I go in the girl's bathroom, kind of peek in the ladies' room. Is there going to be like a massive photo of five men's bare legs in the women's bathroom? Probably not. In fact, I think it's your phone. We should get some of the guys together after the talk today. Let's get a big photo of your hairy legs. Let's stick it in the girl's bathroom back there. <laughs> what would happen when girls walk in? They'd be like, bah! 
they'd vomit, but why? I mean, aren't, aren't the guys cute? Well, they are, but it's different. Look, if a girl doesn't understand the differences, you watch what happens. She starts hiking up that skirt, showing off a little belly button. To, he's not, she thinks her outfit's cute. He's not looking at your outfit. If it's her sexual value that brings him to the girl, what do you think he wants to get to know about her? Her intelligence, personality? He wants to get to know the body. If she gives him access to the body, thinking this will make him like me more, usually what happens is a guy gets bored because he loses respect and he moves on. And she's left there thinking, well, maybe if I was skinnier, he would have liked me more. Maybe if I just did more with him sexually, he would have stayed longer. And look, guys get used too. Pressure goes both ways. And with modesty, I'm not saying I want you to look frumpy. I don't want you to show up at some high school dance dressed up in some big moo-moo, you know, and some boy you like sees you and he's like, hey, modesty. And you, know, you, look a, you look a ravishing in your potato sack tonight. Stay home. No. You don't have to look all frumpy. Just, just look classy. Like, just take the beauty of being a woman. Use it. Teach boys about your dignity. Because, like, for me, I didn't even know how to treat a girl until I dated one in college who dressed modestly. It was captivating. You could take her seriously as a woman. She wasn't trying to make boys stare at her body parts. She could have dressed like, hey, boys, check this out. But the way she dressed is like she's saying, boys, frankly, I'm worth waiting to see. And you will not lift the veil over this body until you lift the veil over my face. And I'm telling you, respecting that girl is automatic. Now, you deserve respect no matter what you choose to wear, but you have this God-given power not only to turn the guy's head, you have the power to change his heart. I saw in Texas, I met this beautiful newlywed couple, deeply in love. When they first met, the girl was all big into chastity. The guy was the total opposite. Mr. Pimp Daddy sleeping around looking at porn. And they met, he was infatuated with her. Never met a girl like this. The virtue, the character, the class, she had it all. So he starts hitting on her. Now, she thinks it's a joke because she knows who he is. She's like, oh, now you want to date a girl like me. And he's like, yeah, why not? What's got to happen? She said, three things need to happen. He said, okay, what is it? She said, step number one, you need to ask my father permission to date me. And he's like, that's kind of old school, but I'll do it. Fine. What's number two? She said, I want you to read this 500-page book on chastity and the theology of the body. Ten days, he read the whole thing. He said, I did number two. What's number three? She said, number three, okay, you may not kiss me until the day you lift my veil on the altar as my husband. She just wanted to see if he was willing to sacrifice because she would not give away her kisses freely. And he said, okay, sign me up. And he dropped his entire old way of life only to become worthy of this one great woman who's now his bride. Now, girls, I'm not recommending you go off and date Mr. Snoop Dogg, hoping you're going to be the Messiah, but the fact is you have power question that remains like, what are you going to do with the power? Because look, at the end of the day, you will never convince some boy of your dignity till you first convince yourself. And here's the proof. We're at a high school, Louisiana. Picture this, a gym filled with 1,400 girls, not a single teenage boy. I said, girls, the boys aren't around. So how many girls, be honest with me, how many of you think that if you really met a guy today who had self-control, he was a gentleman, purely talked about girls and treated them, how many think finding that virtue of chastity in a boy today, that that'd make him undeniably more attractive to you? 1,400 girls put their hand up. I said, okay. Then I went next door to the all-guys school, 1,200 boys. I told the fellows that the girls said, one guy put his hand up. <laughs> he said, Jason, I don't believe you. I go, no, I promise. All the girls have their hands up. He goes, no, I believe you. He said, well, I'm trying to say it's like we don't believe them. I'm like, why not? 
And he's like, look, you're telling us they want us to be all innocent and pure, but they're going to dress like that at our dances. They're going to dance like that at our dances. You're telling me she wants me to treat her like a princess, but they're going to act like that on the weekends. He's like, we don't take them seriously. They don't take themselves seriously. And I'll grant you girls, look, it's hard to find modest outfits. You go to buy some fancy dress. Everything they sell you now is low cut, bare belly, bare back, some slit up to your armpit. Like, I know it isn't easy, but girls aren't helpless. And girls are like, but Jason, if I can't be sexy, how can I get his attention? Can you flirt? It depends. Flirting means different things. Like flirting for me. When I was in second grade, if I liked the girl, just throw a rock at her. You know, it's like, oh, like, it's like, oh she's hot. Oh, here, watch. Like, I'll pop. Like, yeah. Now she likes me. Yeah, she has a concussion. Okay, that's her problem. But, you know. Now, girls are different. Girls flirt like this. When you girls are in fourth grade, this is how you'd flirt. Don't even act like you didn't. Fourth grade, you'd see a cute guy. You'd be like, oh, And you get in the huddle with your girlfriends. It's like a team effort. It's like, he's cute. What should we do? And they all start plotting together. And the first girl's like, let's give him a note. Oh, that's brilliant. Get out the paper. Like, do you like my friend, whoever? You know, yes, no, or maybe. It's like a survey. He's got to check the box. Then you commit. Then what happened? You girls got like sixth grade. Then you get more sophisticated. See the cute guy? Oh, you're cute. What should we do? Your friend's like, I know. How about when he's leaving class? I'll shove you into him. Oh, that's good. Shove me into him. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Some of you apparently still doing this. But uh, you guys see the girls sitting each other laughing. Reason girls think it's so funny. This is what girls talk about when they go to public bathrooms, like 30 of them at a time into the bathroom. Dude, they have couches in there half the time. They probably got like drawing boards. You shove them into this locker. I'll come around the back. It's sick and wrong. I was at World Youth Day in Sydney once here. I saw four girls come out of one porta potty. I'm like, that's not even sanitary, but you gotta do what you gotta do. Then what happens? Girl gets to what? Eighth grade high school. Basically, as soon as you become a woman, the world will tell you, ladies, look, now that you become a woman, you got something the boys like now, better than your old notes and games. You've got that body. You can give it to the guy, he's gonna like you more. Now, girls always begin with this idea. Okay, let me get this straight. So long as I'm technically not having sex with him, I'm being good. So hooking up and making out, that's not a big deal. Doing this with a guy, well, as long as I love him, it's not a big deal. Why not? Well, because those other girls are worse than I am. And when it's all said and done, the girl convinces herself this priceless gift of her body is just not a big deal. Something starts to die in the girl. She could go from boy to boy to boy, never sit still. By the time she gets to college, she got no clue who she is. She defined her whole identity by the boy she's clinging to. And she thinks she's in love with him, but she's probably in love with the fact that he makes her feel wanted when she doesn't even want herself half the time. But she's afraid of being alone, so she settles for hooking up, but something dies in her. I read about a guy sleeping, his dog's barking. Guy came in the backyard, his dog's barking at a bush. And he's like, dude, it's a bush, shut up, go to bed. Goes to sleep. 2.30, the dog starts barking. Guy came in the backyard with a stick. Come here, pooch, smack, and he beat the dog into submission, back to sleep. 2.45, the dog starts freaking out. The guy threw a fit, cocked a gun. I don't know if he was drunk, but he apparently shot and killed the dog in the backyard, went peacefully to sleep. But then what happened is the robber, who's hiding in the bushes, got out of the bushes, walked over to the body of the dead dog, came inside the guy's house, apparently killed him in his sleep, and robbed everything that he owned. And that dog is like our conscience that tells us right from wrong. And I've said to my conscience, dude, shut up. Don't tell me I should be doing that with her. Don't tell me I should be looking at that. Dude, shut up. I'd kill the voice. Do it anyway. Think I'm free. I'm not doing what my mom wants. I'm not doing the church wants. I'm free. But then I always think afterwards, yeah, you're so free. You can't even say no to it anymore. You're so free. How come you're empty afterwards? You're so free. How come you can't look her dad in the eyes whenever you go over her house? That's freedom. And it leads to the point where a girl thinks, Jason, you got cute stories and all, but you don't get it. Like, look, Jason, I'm not a virgin. 
Now, Jason, I have my virginity taken from me. Or something bad happened to me when I was a little girl. And what good guy, like you're all talking about, as if I know any, would even want a girl like me, been through what I've been through. Jason, I am damaged goods. It's too late, and once it's gone, it's gone. Okay? I'll tell you one girl I know. She was two years old, she had her first memory. It's her alcoholic, unfaithful, drug-addicted, sexually abusive dad beating up her mom. And he divorced, left the family. He's one of these guys out there who's kind of like male enough to get a girl pregnant, but not man enough to be a daddy. And she's raised with no father. She gets to high school. She doesn't know how a gentleman to treat a lady. Football player asks her out. She's thrilled. And they start dating. And he says to her, honey, I've never felt this way about a girl before. I love you. And for her, those words were magic. She never heard that at home. And she said, oh, I love you too. He said, if you love me, show me. She knew what that meant. So she went to her girlfriends. She said, he wants to start doing this and that. What do you guys think? They said, you like him, right? She said, well, yeah, I like him. Then they said, then it's not a big deal. Everybody's doing it. Don't be a prude. As long as you feel ready, get it over with. So she figured, yeah, not a big deal. At the age of 15, she lost her virginity, thinking they'd be forever in love. She said, in all actuality, all respect was thrown out the window because she said, after a while, he didn't want to spend time with me anymore. He was basically spending the time with my body because when a girl's getting used, she knows it. She tries to distract herself, but she knows that there's no peace. He lost respect for this, or fight more, because whenever they're together, that's all he wanted. And she'd give him sex for the sake of feeling love. He'd just give her love for the sake of getting sex. Eventually, they broke up. And she said, I will never forget the day he walked away for the last time. She said, all I could think is that guy's leaving with something that never belonged to him, and now I'm never going to get it back. I'm not a virgin anymore. What's the whole point of waiting for marriage? Kind of late for me. Sort of cycle these relationships. She got to be a year 11 student on campus. Biggest stud at school last her out. Cap of the basketball, football teams. And he said, I've never felt this way about a girl before. I love you. She said, I love you too. He said, if you love me, you'll show me. So she goes back to the girlfriends. She said, no, he wants to start doing it. What do you guys think? They said, look, let's set standards. Let's not sleep with our boyfriends for six months. If he can hold out without it for that long, then I know he loves me. Then we'll sleep together. Now she looks back and thinks, six months? Six months is the price that I put on my body? Six months of his time, attention, phone calls? Like, that's love? So he held out for six months. They started sleeping together. Now he really lost respect. Started cheating on her, abusing her, physically abusing her, emotionally abusing her, telling her, girl, you're so fat, stupid, and ugly. Fat and ugly, the girl's a kickboxer. Voted the prettiest girl in the high school of 3,000 students, but he had her convinced she was fat and ugly. She was miserable. She said, those Saturday nights, all my friends would say, is all, it's all fun and games. She said, you wake up the next morning, funny games are over. I woke up hating myself. She said, I'd sit in my bathroom flipping over my pregnancy test, scared to death. But then I go to school all week with the biggest mask on my face. I'm so happy with my life. Put a mask on for my parents, one for church, one for the boys, one for social media, one for me. But I was miserable. Her mom found her birth control pills in her purse. Said, you're going to a chastity talk. She said, I'm not going to your dumb thing. I heard those before. Mom said, I don't care, you're going. Forces her. And I don't know who gave her the talk, wasn't me. But she said, that guy got up there. Now, one hour I sat still, everything changed. She said, the guy was honest, blunt, real. And he didn't judge any of us. But she said, it felt like he took my hand out of the audience and he walked through my whole life with me because he had done everything I had done, sex, smoke, and drinking. But she said, he had something I didn't have and I just wanted it back. He wasn't ashamed of himself, living a double life. He had a backbone, confidence. I wanted it. So after the talk, she went up to him. They talked for a long time. She took his advice. Hey, start over. She went to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, got a clean soul, and then wrote the list. 60 things she dreamed of in a future husband when never again would she settle for less. And that weekend, the guys called her up. Hey, girl, want to hook up? We're going to this guy's house. She wasn't dumb. She knew what they wanted. So for the first time ever, she said no. And she stayed home a little lonely and wrote her first love letter to her future husband. I said no to them tonight out of love for you. I'm respecting my body this night. I respect for you. 
I can't wait for the day we're going to meet. With all my hopes and prayers and dreams, she signs it. Next weekend, they call her back. Hey, girl, where you been? You trying to be too good for us? They tried to make her feel guilty for taking care of herself for once. She turned down again, another love letter. Every time she was tempted to go back to that life, she'd read the old letters and write a new one, and she got stronger, and the stack of letters got thicker and thicker and thicker. Now, why do you think I know all this stuff about that girl? It's because she's the girl who gave me every single one of those letters on her honeymoon when I married her. This girl was my wife, bride, mother, my kid. She, you know, but thank you, see ya. Thank you, bud. She deserves the applause, not me, but imagine, how, imagine if she had heard that talk in high school. What if she had just blown it off? Chastity, abstinence, too late for me. You think I ever would have met her? Do you think our marriage would exist? Do you think our beautiful little kids back home would exist? And it was cool. When we first found out that we were pregnant, like specifically her, uh, you go to the doctors, do a little ultrasound, see a little dude on TV screen. First one, the baby's as tall as a grain of rice, and you could watch the heart beating. Most of the ultrasounds stink. You can't see anything. I'm like, is that his head? They're like, that's his butt. I'm like, oh, like his dad. But now they got these 4D ultrasounds. They can zoom in on your kid's face in color, live, 3D videos. They have videos now of kids who appear to be laughing at something in their mother's wombs. So we got one of my boy Colby, and this is what he looked like uh, taking a nap in my wife's womb five months before he's even born. It's like, do you get the point? My boy lives today. Because of a brave decision my wife made back in high school turned things around. And when we got married, yes, I was a virgin when we got married. And you couldn't pay me all the money in the world to give it to anyone but my bride. Now, she was not a virgin, but she was worth waiting for. And she knew it. I would have waited for until I was 50. She started over. In a lot of ways, I did too. We don't want to end up getting divorced. So we did things to decrease your divorce rate. First thing, we did not live together before we get married. Now, everybody's doing that. Now, you cohabit, shack up, move in, maybe get married. How are those marriages doing? Higher divorce rate then why do they do it? They say, we need to see if we're compatible with each other. Dude, trust me, if you're a guy and she's a girl, you are not compatible. You'll figure that out real fast in marriage. We get back from a honeymoon, she moves our junk in my bathroom. You know what happens when a girl gets in a guy's bathroom and you get married? It's called a hostile takeover, all right? Because like, guys' bathrooms are perfect. What do you have? Soap and shampoo, that's it. I mean, some guys don't even have that. And then she moves in, I counted one morning, she had 24 bottles of different things in the shower. It's like a chemist lab in there. I'm reading them all, she's got like, Pumice foot polish, just like exfoliating body wash with raspberry melon, ap apricot, Vegemite, whatever. I'm like, oh, it's salad dressing. She had, she had one bag. It said lemon sage body butter. I'm like, dude, what do you do with that? I mean, guys aren't into this. Like, how many of you guys have body? Well, don't answer the question. But uh, the point is that you're not going to be compatible in marriage, okay? And that's because girls are weird and guys are entirely normal. And that's obvious, but think about it. Where does the word compatible come from? It's Latin, compati, which means to suffer with, okay? Lasting marriages are not because you fit perfect. It's because you show up and fight for marriage when it gets tough. And girls, think about it. Living with the guy who's not your husband is crazy. Because think about it. You girls go on one date with a guy and he's an absolute jerk to you. Breaking up is easy. It's one date. Okay, date a guy for six months to break up. Okay, that's harder. But now you sleep with him. Now you move in with him and then you realize he's not the one for you. Imagine how hard it would be to let go when you've invested that much. Girls don't want to. They want to stay put and fix the guy. Her girlfriends tell her, can't you see he's got problems? She'll make excuses. Look, I know he's made some bad decisions, and he's a convicted felon and everything, and his friends call him El Chapo. Ah, uh, but... He has a beautiful heart inside. It's like, quit dating your imagination. I mean, don't you ever marry someone hoping you're going to change them. The only reason to commit to someone is if you hope they're going to stay who they are. Because sometimes you can get so hung up on who you thought they were or who you hope they'll be that you're blind to who they are. And so first thing, we didn't shack up. Second thing, we didn't sleep together before we got married. 
If I had sex with Chris before marriage, I'd be lying to her. My body would be telling her one thing. I've given myself totally to you. I'm all yours. But if I'm not her husband, the embrace of sex is a lie. And some guys will say to me, but what if it's not like that? Some cheap one-night stand and you're drunk. What if you really care about this girl? You both talked about it. You both feel ready. How come you can't sleep with her if you really love her? Really love her? What's it mean to love her? You do what's best for her. Really? Best for her to wake up tomorrow? Am I pregnant? Is my mom going to find out? I spoke at high school in Texas. They had 87 girls pregnant on campus. This did not include the junior high. Brought the number of pregnancies over 100. But here's the question. How many pregnancies do you think that school would have if it were the guys who could get pregnant? Girls, wouldn't it be fun just for one month of each year if guys could get pregnant? Let's say December is now male fertility month. I mean, what would happen? Guys would be like, it is National Abstinence Awareness Month. This month I've got my pledge card, my purity ring set to go for 30 days. Everything would be different. Dates would be different. Imagine some like rugby player with a girlfriend and she starts flirting about sex. He'd be like, well, I'm not ready for sex. Coach would kill me if I got pregnant on the team next year. I can't run down the field like that. That's not going to work. But yeah, let her take the risk any night of the week as long as it's her future, not his. And some guys will tell me, oh, I'm telling you, I really love this girl I'm sleeping with. Look, if a guy loves a girl he's sleeping with, how come if they're in bed together at her house and her dad comes home, the guy will jump out of like a five-story window rather than face the dad? This happened to my friend John in high school. He's over at my friend Michelle's house. They're up in her bedroom messing around. They weren't even supposed to be seeing each other. Her dad is supposed to be at work. He came home early, saw John's car out front. Boom, busted around. They hear him coming upstairs. My friend John's freaking out because he's trapped. There's nowhere to go. He's like, Michelle, where can I hide? In the closet, the desk, in the microwave, where can I fit? There's nowhere to go. Hey, looks, Michelle's bed, it's like six inches off the ground. So he's like, honey, I'm going under there. And he dives under the bed and he wiggles under the mattress. He's like, <laughs> the bed's like moving up and down in his chest. And then dad breaks the door down. Boom! Where's John? <laughs> now, Michelle's smooth. She's like, John who? It's like, sweetheart, the bed's levitating behind you. There's a clue. So dad comes up to the bed, looks underneath you. My friend John is on the floor in the corner, shivering like a rat under the bed. Like, what is he doing there? I mean, if he really loves his girl, why does he know, boy, you better hide from the man who loves her the most? Because he knows in the depths of his heart that this has nothing to do with love and sacrifice. It's about lust, pleasure. If it were about love, you know how proud he'd be to show the father how he loves the daughter. But as it is, he hides. But why is her dad like that? He's all uptight and protective. Because he's not naive. He knows the price she'll pay. Because look, man, sex is sexist. Girls always pay the biggest price. I mean, look at this. They studied here 10,000 girls. When a girl starts having sex, what happens in her life? They study girls from the ages of 12 to 26. They found if a girl starts out having sex at 12 or younger, on average, those girls go on to sleep with about 21 different men in their lifetime. Start having sex at 13 or 14, and you'll average 14 lifetime sexual partners. At 15 or 16, the average is eight. Numbers go down according to how long you wait. Sooner the girl starts, though, unless she starts over, she becomes more likely to have more breakups, STDs, out of wedlock pregnancy, become a single mom, live under the poverty level, have a divorce, have an abortion, be depressed, on and on. The longer the girl waits for sex, the happier her life will be. Now, this does not mean if you're not a virgin, you have a terrible life. All it means is how could a guy look at that and say, oh, but I love her enough, I can do that with her. Now, with Crystal and I, this is not why we save sex for marriage. Do you think we practice chastity because of this? It's like, well, honey, I'm afraid of increasing your rates of living under the poverty level, honey. We can't do that tonight. Now, <laughs> 
reason we waited is simple. It's because I love her, and love can wait to give, but lust can't wait to get. If you're sexually active right now, or you're doing sexual stuff, take it out. You'll see if it's real love. We did a big public high school in Michigan, 1,000 grade 9 students, 1,000 grade 10. After the assembly, a grade 12 student runs in, and he's all ticked off. He's like, dude, who told my girlfriend all about chastity? I was like, me. He's like, man, I go, what's the matter? It turns out he's in grade 12, his girlfriend's in grade 9, okay? Yeah, didn't have enough social skills to date a girl his own age, so he tries to go with the young ones. But, but what's, what's the deal with you go, girls and older guys? Like, watch this. How many of you girls in here are 16 years old? Put your hands up. 16-year-old girls. Put your hands up high. Hi, hi, hi. How many of you girls are currently dating a 13-year-old boy? Oh, I'm proud of you. Uh, now, he's like, he's 13 and a half. Now, how come girls laugh at that, but if a guy is older, she doesn't think twice? First reason it happens is this. Girls mature faster than guys do. And I know you girls are thinking, well, that's a shocker. But think about it. Look at a 13-year-old girl. They get on the phone. I'm in a relationship where I can communicate about my feelings, my friends, and my shoes. Fine. Look at a 13-year-old guy. Dude, he's not there. He's not even close to being there. 13-year-old boys, they sit in the room by themselves. They're like, <laughs> they make noise with my armpits. Fascinating. And that's fine. I still do that. But the thing is, is that... 13-year-old girls get bored of the 13-year-old guy. But then along comes older guy, younger girl. First thing she thinks, oh, he's older than me. He's more mature and he likes me. This is exciting. Little does she know, all the guys know. The younger she is than you, the more easily she'll give into your desire because she's afraid of rejection. I'll bet you girls, whatever you want. Most of the time, what's going on right there, the girl's probably looking for the love she never got from her own dad, but she's not going to find it in the arms of another man. From the time you girls are two, you want her to know daddy, Am I beautiful? Do you love me? Do you want me? Do you notice me? Or are you even going to be here for me? Girls, I'm sorry. Look, if your father is absent or he's abusive, you go in the world with the question not answered. Then the older guys show up. Yeah, I notice you. Yeah, I want you. <gasps> Feels like it's making up that missing love. I saw it one night. I put my daughter Mary to bed. She's five years old. I'm kneeling next to her bed, just talking about her day, saying some prayers. I go to give her a hug goodnight. I want to go to hug her. She won't let go. A minute goes by, two minutes go by, dude, she won't let go. I can feel her little five-year-old heart beating on mine, her breath on my cheek. I just give her a big squeeze and she let go. And she said, wow, dad, that was a lot of love. I'm like, you bet, girl. Next night, I give her another big hug. She said, dad, your breath smells like dead frogs. I'm like, can't win them all. Next night, I give her another big hug. She said, daddy, what would happen if your eyeball fell out? And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? But I saw it, though, that first night, her heart was like a sponge, just awaiting the love of the Father to fill it up. If that heart of yours is not filled up with real love from home, it explains why it's easy to settle for things like lust, because at least you feel wanted for something. But these poor girls, man, they haven't heard the boy's line before. You know the number one thing he'll say to get you in bed is, look, I love you so much, and you know I'd never pressure you to do anything sexual that you're not ready for. I totally respect that. We can wait until you're comfortable with it. And she thinks, oh, you see, he's sweet. But if you watch it, he'll sexually take from her everything she's willing to give. He's not guarding her innocence. He's wearing it down. Her girlfriends tell her, can't you see he's bad for you? It's like she's deaf. She's like, I know he has problems, but he smells good. I can't break up. I don't know what to do. And she stays put. But when it is real love, it'll bring you closer to everybody who loves you. Family, friends, God. When it's not real love, get plucked away from all three. Remember that guy I ran in the auditorium? Who told my girlfriend about chastity? I said, me, what's the matter? He said, I just saw my girlfriend the hallway after your talk. She looked all happy, and now she won't sleep with me anymore. I want to find out what happened to her. I said, oh, you could sleep with her again one day. Marry her. He was like, Paul. I go, isn't she worth waiting for? He said, no. 
It's the love test. You want to know if a boy loves you? Well, here is your chance to find out. And sometimes he does. Big football player came up after the talk. He said, Jason, your talk got done an hour and a half ago. He said, I went back to class. I couldn't hear anything the teacher was saying. He goes, Beyonce, I'm having sex. He said, I'm sleeping with the girl, university, college girl. And he goes, but I love her. I know I love her. But I know we shouldn't be doing this stuff behind her dad's back. There's no honor in that. And he goes, you sure I do love her? This is what I did after your talk. And he opened up his notebook, showed me a piece of paper filled front and back with his handwriting. All set across the top was 100 ways to start loving Kelsey without having sex. He emailed me three days later. He said, I'm almost done with 100. I'm going to make it 1,000. Thanks. This is going to make a difference. Imagine how strong his marriage is going to be one day if he knows 1,000 ways to love a woman before sex. Problem is, when sex comes in first, it covers up that absence of love that's simply never developed. And some guys will say, but girl, if you love me, if you really love me, you'd give it to me if you love me. Girl, if he loved you, he wouldn't be asking for it in the first place. And if you love him, you can't give him whatever he wants because you're afraid he'll get it from another girl. That's not love. That's insecurity. Love does not give people whatever they want. It's like I came downstairs looking for my kids once. I'm like, hey, guys, where are you? Silence. And come on, it's not funny. John Paul, Colby, Mary, why are you? Silence. Now, when my kids are quiet, that means they're either sleeping or doing something illegal. Those are the only options you have on the table. I know they're up to no look good. I look in the kitchen, freezer's open, there's a gallon of ice cream missing from the freezer. I'm like, yeah, oh, that is Colby. I'm Colby. I know where he is. I go in the kid's playroom. We've got a slide in there. Under the slide is a cave. I look in the cave, dude, sure enough, there he is. He's completely naked, eating a gallon of ice cream out of his lap. I'm like, El Gordo, give it to me. And he's like, oh, here comes dad. I grab his fat little ankles. I'm dragging on his butt on the floor. He's still scooping it in, sliding on the floor. I pull it away. I'm like, give it to me. He pulls it back. He's like, you don't love me. I'm like, I don't love you. I'm like, dude, you're lactose intolerant. I'm like, I'm like boy, you'd be on the toilet for a week if I let you eat all that. Of course I love you. It's because I love you, you can't have whatever feels good. It's not good for you. It's the same principle behind chastity of love. Why do you think I waited 27 years for my wife? Love. You think we save sex for marriage because we're afraid of it? Oh, we can't have sex. We're going to get pregnant, die of an STD, and go to hell. We can't do that. No, it's not about obeying all the rules so you don't go to hell. It's about actually wanting heaven for the person that you love. And if you want to live this out, I would say, girls, take off after school this weekend. Go to some shopping mall. Why don't you buy a white candle? Let your husband light that on your wedding night as a sign of the purity you maintain from this day to the day he lifts your veil. I know a girl got one of those purity rings. Her fiancé proposed to her. She took off the ring, gave it to him. She said, I saved that for you like I saved myself for you. He thanked her for it, put it in the wallet. Without her knowing, he took her to the jeweler who was making his wedding band, had the jeweler melt the silver of her ring into the gold of his wedding band, and that's what he wears on his ring finger as her husband. To realize, girls, there's something greater out there if you wait. So from this point on, don't you ever be afraid. Some boy's going to leave you unless you give him something sexual. Girls, you turn it around and you let the boy be afraid. He could lose you if he doesn't know how to respect you. And girls will say, but Jason, there's the problem. There's no good guys. I'm never going to find a good guy. I'm just going to grow old, be alone, live in an apartment with 12 cats and be miserable for the rest of my life. And girls just give up hope. Three girls in Philadelphia came up to me. I'm like, Jason, guys are jerks. I'm like, no, there's lots of good guys. They're like, guys are jerks. And I'm like, whoa, issues. I said, look. I said, look, are you dating anyone? And she's like, well, we're kind of dating. It's complicated. And I go, well, tell me about him. We talked for an hour and a half. She finally admitted, okay, he is a drug dealer. He swears a lot, drinks a lot. He's cheated on her, and her parents hate him, but I couldn't figure out why. Parents are so unfair. And then the next girl jumps in. She said, all guys are jerks. I said, no, there's so many good gentlemen. I meet them all the time. She said, they're all jerks. She said, we were at a party three weeks ago. These guys came up behind a girl, poured a beer on her head because she was a girl. 
Two weeks ago, we were at the same party. They poured a beer on another girl's head. Last weekend, we were at the same party, and they poured a beer on another girl's head. See, guys are jerks. I said, hmm, what are you doing this weekend? They're like, we're going to the party. I'm like, yeah, wonder where your problem's coming from. That's why I begged the girls, set that standard high, because if you have to lower your morals to find love, it is not love you're finding. I mean, you want love? You really want love? Grow a backbone. You know what it looks like? Perfect example. I read about a girl. True story. Gets a text from some boy. This guy wants her to send him some revealing photograph of herself. And so he texts her. He's like, hey, why don't you send me a picture of yourself? And she's like, oh, okay, here you go. Click a selfie of her face and send him that. He got the picture and he texts her back. He's like, hey, I didn't mean a picture of your face. And she's like, okay, here you go. Clicked a selfie of her foot and sent him that picture instead. That is the girl who's going to find real love. So you know, girls, if any guy ever asks you to send him a revealing photograph of yourself, ladies, I give you absolute permission to send him a picture of your completely bare hand waving goodbye to him. Is that as much flesh as he deserves to see, okay? A gentleman would never ask you for that picture or collect it or share it or give it. And that is not a gentleman. That's a collector of child porn. Don't date these losers. And don't, don't even date a guy who hides behind his phone to ask you out to begin with. Because if he can't face the fear of rejection face-to-face, -face, he won't even break up with you face-to-face. We've got to make relationships more human. And girls, help each other with this. Quit the gossip. Oh, you see that girl? She's such a slut because she did that. And she's a hoe because I heard she did that. I saw it on Twitter, so I know it's true. It's retweeted. Sources are verified. Like, no, sluts don't exist. I meet 100,000 students a year, and I have never met a slut. And you may be thinking, well, then you haven't met this girl yet. Well, perhaps, but I'll bet you I know that girl better than you do. You might know what you did with the boys, but do you know what's going on at her home right now? Do you know what happened to her when she was 11? Like, dude, you got no idea. Take the labels off. Nobody in here is perfect. Guys, where do you go from here? I think guys could have different reactions to this talk. First reaction, you can walk out of here, but what's the first thing you look at afterwards? We typically look at the other guys. What'd you guys think of the talk? I don't know. What'd you think of the talk? I don't know. What'd you think? Because look, girls, we want to impress you, but I'm sorry to break the news in high school. We're just more interested in impressing the other guys. Because until a man knows he's a man, he's always trying to prove he is one. So if I think degrading a woman somehow makes me more of a man, well, I'll do it to score points with boys because I'm kind of insecure. But what's needed with chastity is authenticity. You can't be one guy on Saturday night, a different guy Sunday in church. One guy in front of the girl's parents and their backs are turned, you become somebody else. It demands you have no duplicity. New York, three basketball players came up after the talk. And I love basketball. We started talking. They're sleeping with all these girls. I said to him, how do you want some guy to treat your daughter one day? He goes, oh, we ain't having daughters. We're just having sons. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I said, why don't you want a daughter? And he was honest. He said, I know what I'm doing to girls. He said, I'd kill a guy if you ever did to my girl one day. So that's the solution. Use girls and don't have a daughter. No, what's needed is authenticity. I saw it at a school. They had the best basketball team in the country. After the talk, the star of the team walks up, and he's almost seven feet tall. And he walks up. He's like, yo, can we talk in the back? I'm like, yes, come with me. And I took his hand, and we went back here. And I'm like... What's going on up there? He said, look, be honest with you. He said, I've been with so many girls. I've done so much stuff. I knew it was wrong, but did she wanted it. I wanted it. Half time I was drunk, I tried to blame it on the beer. He said, nowadays, girls around here, he said, they're worse than the guys half the time. You should see the nasty messages they're sending. He said, but after your talk today, man, it's different. I want to be faithful to my wife before I meet her. I don't want to get married and give her all these memories I have of girls I'm never going to see again when I graduate. But how do you start over when you've been where I've been? He said, when you're with the girl and she says she's ready for sex, how do you say no to that? 
I said, if she thinks she's ready for sex and she's not ready to be a mother, then she has no clue what she's talking about. Boston's seventh grade boy came up to me. Jason, my girlfriend, I have talked and we're ready. I'm like, he's 12. I'm like, ready? Are you ready to be a father? He said, no, just for sex. So after explaining to him the shocking connection they discovered between the two, I said, look, you know I'm married, got a couple little kids. I go, you know you don't know about me? Our first baby's had so many medical problems. He's had to be in all these different hospitals. You know the first two years of being a new dad, I spent more than $30,000 in medical bills on him so I could have the best doctors taking care of my sick boy. And you got what it takes to be a good father? You ready for sex? He opened up his wallet, showed me his money. He's like, I have $5. I'm like, buy her pizza. I mean, if you love her, prove it. Is it easy? No, but let's be honest, guys. We cause 90% of our own temptations by what we look at and who we hang out with, but then we want to blame it on the girls for why it's hard to be pure. You want to make it easy? Find good friends. My friends in high school were terrible if you want to be pure. Best friend and I were driving home from school, pulls his car. Did I mention this yesterday? But in the parking lot of a pornographic adult bookstore. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I want to go in the nudie bookstore. I'm like, don't go in some nudie bookstore, you filthy little pervert. And he's like, well, I'm going in there. I'm like, I'm not going in there. I'm not some perv. <laughs> My porn's at home. You know, I'm sitting there like, 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, what is he doing? I look at my watch. Yeah, I'm in the car. I'm, I have a confirmation class at church soon, and I'm waiting in the par parking lot of some filthy bookstore waiting for the best friend to get out. It dawned on me, Jason, you made a stupid choice of friends. You might have a lot of good friends, but you don't have friends that are good. But I found those friends. Campus ministry, youth group, man, a lot easier to live a good life because you always become like your friends. Second thing to make it easy, only date a girl if you can really see yourself marrying her one day. My friend Philip did this. Eighth grade, saw the girl he's going to marry. Points her out to his mom. Hey, mom, you see Tiffany? She's a good girl. I like her. She's beautiful on the inside and the outside. They stayed friends through junior high, friends through high school. There's no rush to date. At the end of high school, they made a clear commitment that saved sex from marriage. Guy's an incredible athlete, quarterback of the football team, got a scholarship to North Carolina State University to be their quarterback. The guy won the most valuable player award for every bowl game he played, and then he and Tiffany got married as virgins, then he got drafted by the National Football League, and he was our quarterback for a long time in San Diego for the Chargers. His name is Philip Rivers. And he said, Jason, one of the ways to stay pure at Tiff is we've got the same standards. Like, if she was tempted, I'd be strong. If I was tempted, she'd be strong. Tiffany told my wife, so our kids play together, Playboy bunnies used to come to the football games wearing her husband's jersey number 17 calling out to him from the crowd hey philip come here waving an invitation to a party of the playboy models up in la my wife said to tiffany well what did philip do tiffany laughed about it she's like nothing he ignores them she has peace because her husband's a man of God. He'd bring a priest with him on his road games so he would never miss mass before the big game on Sunday because he knew purity is a gift from Jesus Christ. And if you want it, he'll give it to you. So if you want it, go get it. If you're Catholic, go to confession. If you're not Catholic, maybe open the Bible, Psalm 51 for a clean heart. But if you're Catholic, go to confession. Some people are like, I'm not going to confession. What if I tell the priest what I did? That's the point. What do you think you invented a sin? What is he going to call the Vatican afterwards? I've never heard of this before. Pope Francis, dude. Pope Francis wouldn't care. He'd be like, no hablo inglés. Click. Uh, so just go, man. You feel so much better afterwards. The problem is, a bunch of you have already been to confession, but I'll be frank with you, your confession stinks. Your confession's like, hey, Father, forgive me. I did this and this and this. What about that? Oh, that? We don't need to talk about that. That happened a while ago, kind of embarrassing. Why don't you get rid of that other stuff? I'll kind of hang on to this one. Mm -mm, doesn't work like that. Some guy tried to do that to St. Padre Pio. Yeah, good luck. St. Padre Pio could read your soul. Padre Pio said to the man, you live near water, but you don't wash. 
In other words, don't just go to confession, have a great confession and go at least once a month. Second thing, never leave the mass. My wife and I try to go to mass every single day because every grace you need to love, you get from love himself. Never leave the bread of angels. Third thing was big for me is devotion or a lady, like the rosary. Because look, you look at porn, dude, it takes five minutes to look at porn. Honestly, feels like it takes 15 years to forget what you saw. So for me, it was devotion or a lady that kind of healed those memories and taught me how to look at girls again. And so to help you guys live out this lifestyle, uh, we've got a couple things for you. One, there's a table down there that has free miraculous medals. If you want one, go get it. Also, there's books down there for sale. If you don't have money and you can't cover it, they'll cover them for you. But like for the girls, my wife's got this book for you called Pure Womanhood. In the middle of this book, my wife included for you girls her dump him list, okay? It's like 16 things. If a guy has any of them, you just say goodbye don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. So that's in there. Then we also have this one for the girls called How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul, 21 Secrets for Women. The first chapter is a list of top 10 guys to avoid. So it's like a manual on how to avoid losers. And so this one's for the girls. And then people are like, where's the book for guys? Guys don't read, okay? Uh, so, so here's the book for the guys right there. It's like 30 pages, larger print, big bring crayons. So that, that one's for the guys. But guys started bugging me about that. They're like, oh, that's funny. We're literate. We want book. Uh, and so I thought, oh, okay, well, what do we write for the guys? And then it dawned on me, dude, I know what the guys want. All the guys ever get told is what you can't do with a girl, right? Down to this and down to that and down to that. Okay, whatever. Then you get off to the university. It's like, okay, I got this down. I can't sleep with my girlfriend. I can't look at porn with my girlfriend. I can't have an abortion with my girlfriend. Uh, I can't clone my girlfriend. I learned that in religion class. Okay, I know everything I can't do with a woman. What am I supposed to do with one? Oh, we don't teach that. Good luck in college. Bye. It's like, that's not fair. That's what we need, the book on dating etiquette. So I started writing the book, and then I quit because I'm like, dude, guys don't care what I think about dating. Guys want to know what the girl thinks about dating. But here's the problem. Girls don't want to tell the guy what they want the guy to know because they want it to come from him and not from her. <laughs> I'm like, how do you get around this? So I look at our social media analytics. We got more than 100,000 single girls following us on social media. So I said, ladies, I'm writing a book for the guys on dating etiquette. Would you just tell me what you wish we knew about dating? How do you want to be asked out? How do you not want to be asked out? Where do you want to go on a first date? Or how can a guy break up with you without ghosting you? Give me some specifics. I'll put it in the book for the boys. Leave your comments below. And I posted it. And oh boy, the floodgates opened. Women submitted more than 30,000 words of feedback, but it was gold. And we put what the women said in this book for the guys called the dating blueprint where we get super specific like when you ask a girl on a date okay for one you can't ask her out through a text message it's cowardly it's lame and it's insincere when you ask her out on a date use the word date don't say like uh we should hang out she's like well, hang out like what does that mean like does that mean like you're gonna take me on a romantic riverboat cruise we're gonna like sit in your basement and play minecraft like what do you mean hang out Use the word date. And, and if she says yes to the date, plan the date. Don't sit around, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, we can play Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, Brawl Stars, Sidewalk Surfer, like, no, plan the date. Like, put thought into this thing. If, where do we, where do you go? Guys like, oh, dinner and a movie. No, 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 no movies. Women said that's the number one place they don't want to go on a first date. Why not? Dinner and a movie. Dude, think about it. You take her to the movies and you bring her home, I really enjoyed getting to know you better tonight. And she's like, what? Like, we just watched Kong beat up Godzilla for three hours. You think you know me better because of that? No. Take her to a place you can talk, have fun, get to know each other. But the most important chapter in this whole thing is the last one, and it's on how to date your wife. And I put it in there because I met a woman once, and she said, Jason, I've been married for 30 years. She said, you know, last date my husband took me on was the night he proposed to me 30 years ago, and he's never taken me on another date since. Three decades, no dates. 
Contrast that to a friend of mine lives in Texas. He's been married for 20 years. Never once has he ever missed his weekly date night with his bride in 20 years. Rain or shine, he takes her on a date. It doesn't matter if their kids are sick in the living room and like throwing up in buckets. Like they don't care. They'll just drug him out with Benadryl and have a date in the kitchen at midnight. Like he's going to have a date with his wife. And I'm telling you, man, that guy's kids are going to know how to date because their parents never forgot how to date. You want to know what dating is such a mess? It's because so many of our parents forgot how to date each other. Now we got a culture of single people who pretend like they're dating, the dating people behave like they're married, and the married people seem to think they're single. Everything is out of order. And so this book for the guys tries to put it back in order. But before you ask a girl on a date, guys, we just got one challenge for you, and that's this. You're not allowed to ask a woman on a date if you're still looking at porn. You can't do it. You cannot ask a woman to commit to you unless you're prepared to be faithful to her. And good guys will say to me, look, I get it. Porn's bad. And I'm trying to get rid of this stuff. And I'm good for like a month. And then I mess it up. And then I'm good for a couple weeks. And then I don't know. I just get bored, lonely, angry, stressed, tired. It's back to old habits. How do I break free once and for all? So Matt Frad and I uh, wrote this book together called Forge. It's a 33-day game plan on how to find lasting freedom. So this stuff and a bunch of other books we did is down out there in the expo hall. But the best gift we have for you is this. I got thousands of people praying for you. Last place in the States I spoke in Louisiana, I asked more than 1,000 students to be praying for you on this trip. Yesterday, I gave a couple talks. I asked all them to be praying for the students I speak to. This morning, I spoke at a high school 45 minutes away. I asked those students to be praying for you. And, and before I did the talk this morning, I just put something on Instagram, Twitter. Hey, I got a couple talks today in uh, Australia. Please pray for the students. Oh, I check comments afterwards. Hey, we're praying for you all in Kenya. We're praying for you in the Philippines. All these prayers are descending on you. All I ask in return, please pray for all of the students I speak to. Because uh, who knows? I could speak to your future husband or wife a week from now. You never know what lifestyle they could be in today. So I beg your prayers. And I know one woman, uh, she was like 16, woke up. I need to pray for my future husband. Prayed for the guy. Then they get married. She said, I prayed for you when I was 16. There's my diary. He said, I used to have a journal back then. Let me see if I can find it for fun. Finds a journal. He said, that's the year I, I was in the war. He's a veteran. She said, what does it say that night? He said, honey, the night you prayed for me is the night the enemy troops came across our lines. They slaughtered almost every man in my platoon, and they spared me. So oh, thanks for your prayers. Prayers are good. So I beg your prayers. And I know today, I said a lot to y'all about future husband, future wife. Some of you are being called to a higher vocation, priesthood, religious life. Don't be afraid of that. If God gives you that calling, he'll actually give you that desire. He'll give you peace. So don't be afraid of it. Some of you may be thinking, but Jason, your whole talk today is all boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. What about homosexuality? How does any of this even apply to me if those are the attractions I experience? I think if you experience homosexual attractions, the world is going to tell you, look, you only have two options in your life, okay? Option number one, hide in a closet out of fear that if anyone knew you had those feelings, they'd hate you and be bigoted against you. Or if you don't want to live in a closet, and who would, come out of the closet, embrace your sexual attractions as your identity, forget about God, the church, and the Bible, and do what you want with your body. Gay pride or gay shame, what's your pick? Now imagine if you felt stuck in the middle. Well, I don't want to throw away God, but seriously, shame? Why do I have to live ashamed of something I never chose to begin with? It's not like I woke up this morning. Oh, it's Friday. I'll be attracted to guys today. It doesn't work like that. Will people hate you for having these feelings? Yeah, I'm sorry. Some people will. You see them on TV. They got their protest signs. They're like, God hates gays. I'm like, God hates your stupid sign. All right, that's what he hates. But the problem is fanatics like that make everybody think that if you believe in traditional marriage, you're just a hateful, homophobic bigot. But that's not true. 
I was in the store buying a frame of a painting someone gave me of Pope John Paul II. I put the painting down, and the guy looked at it, and he's like, oh, Pope John Paul II. He said, I used to be a Catholic boy, but the church doesn't want me anymore. I'm like, oh, what do you mean the church doesn't want you? And he opened up to me about homosexuality. I said, no, church wants you. This is your home. God wants you. God loves you. I love you. He's like, what church do you go to? We had a great conversation. Two weeks later, I came back. I'm like, hey, Eric, how you been? He said, you remembered my name. I said, yeah, how are you? And he said, you know, okay. And we started talking. Ten minutes in the conversation, his eyes start turning red, and this tear just came down his cheek. He said, can I hug you? I said, absolutely. He came around the counter. I gave him a big hug. My son, John Paul, was there. I'm like, John Paul, give him a hug. My son's hugging his leg, and I was hugging him. And I was driving home thinking, okay, what is it in the conversation that hit him like that? And I think what it was is that I did not tolerate him. I just loved him enough to tell him the truth. Look, bud, your sexual attractions like mine are not our identities. If anyone in the world defines their identity by who they're sexually attracted to, life will get confusing real fast. Because what would happen to me? Tomorrow afternoon, I fly out of the Sydney airport. What if I see some stunningly beautiful woman in that airport who's not my wife? And I'm attracted to a woman who's not my wife. Is that attraction my identity? Nope. If I see some pornographic billboard and I think she's pretty, is that my identity? No. If you experience homosexual attractions, your identity is that you're a beloved son or daughter of God, but you're living in a culture that wants you to sexualize your identity like it's sexualizing your deodorant and Doritos and cheeseburgers, like everything is sexual now. And it's crazy. I was at a hardware store, they had a magazine. It says, if you buy the magazine, you'll learn blueprints to build sexy shutters for your house. I'm like, stop. Like, I don't need sexy window treatments. I mean, could you imagine if you're home this afternoon, your friend came over to your house and they're walking through your kitchen. They're like, whoa, you have really sexy shutters. She'd be like, you're a really weird friend. But this is what's going on. Your identity is being sexualized. Your products have been sexualized. The new casualty, friendships are getting sexualized. You ever notice if like two guys hang out a lot, people get suspicious? You guys are hanging out a lot over there. Are you guys having a bromance? No, we're having a masculine friendship. Well, I've never heard of that before. Sounds suspicious to me. And to me, the biggest key is this. Attractions are being over-sexualized. All over the world, students are coming to me, and a girl will say something like this. Jason, I'm really confused because I think I'm straight. My friends think I'm a lesbian, so I'm concluding that I'm bi, and I'm trying to figure it out. And I'll be like, well, what's going on? And she'll say, well, the school I go to, the boys are really perverted and immature and gross. But there was a girl on my campus. I come alive when I'm around her. And she's beautiful and funny and smart. My friends are telling me there's a girl crush and we could experiment. I don't have to think. I said, look, I don't know if no one's not told you this before. You're supposed to be repulsed by everything repulsive. You're supposed to be attracted to everything attractive. So your friend here, her wit, her charm, her beauty, doesn't that draw you to her? She said, it does. I said, look, I go to a Bible study. There's an 85-year-old man in our class with this gigantic beard, and I'm completely attracted to that guy. I mean, his sense of humor, his joy, his wisdom, I just want to be around the guy. Because guess what? Not every human attraction is a sexual attraction. And I'm telling you, this girl's eyes lit up. She said, I've never thought about it like that before. That makes so much sense. Now, look, it isn't always that cut and dry. Some people do experience sexual attractions, member of the same sex. How does chastity apply to them? Don't take my word for this. Go to our website. Easy to remember, chastity.com. Click the button LGBT, watch the videos, read the blogs. They're all done by friends of mine who experience these attractions and have found joy in embracing everything the church is teaching about sex, chastity, and marriage. But don't take my word for it. You got to watch them share their stories. And I know today I said a lot to you about boyfriend, girlfriend, but like I said, I think a lot of you right now probably don't have a boyfriend, girlfriend. Good. Don't be like me. I started dating in grade seven. One girl back then actually broke up with me because I forgot that I was dating her. I was like, oh, it's like high maintenance. But you're under this pressure. Like, 
You don't have a boyfriend. You don't have a girlfriend. You never kissed anyone before. It's grade three. What are you waiting for? It's, you know, and it's ridiculous. But the way I look at it, my high school was 1,000 students. Today, I'm friends with two of them. My wife's high school, 3,000 students. Today, she knows none of them. Your life is going to go way beyond your school. That's why one girl told me, she said, Jason, you're right. You don't go to high school to find a husband. She said, you go to high school to find your bridesmaids. I said, girl, you get the point to take your time. Because when a girl doesn't take her time, you know what happens. She meets a cute guy. They start flirting. They start texting. Then she kisses him. Now she's emotionally married. She's like stalking him on social media at 2 o'clock in the morning. She's picking out her wedding dress on Pinterest. She's only known the guy three weeks. Four weeks in, reality hits. Boom. Ooh, I didn't know he flirts with other girls. I didn't know he drinks. I didn't know he looks at porn. I didn't know he builds a methamphetamine lab in his closet with his friends on Wednesdays. Like, I didn't know that. Sweetheart, thus the point. Take your time, find yourself. Love will find you. Now, last thing is this. If I only had 60 seconds to talk to you, this is the only thing I'd say. And if there's only one thing you hear from me, it's all it's gotta be. If after hearing this talk today, Maybe your heart's heavy. You know you got some thinking you got to do. All you need to know is one thing, how God looks at you for doing that stuff. And this is how he sees you. Dad, a few years ago, dropped his kid off at preschool. He said, I love you. I'll pick you up after school. Promise, come get you. Dad went to work. Huge earthquake struck Armenia. The dad shoots back. It's too late. School's collapsed. Faculty's dead. Dad shows up. I know my kid's in that school. Starts tearing off the rocks and the glass. He dug for an hour, five hours. His knuckles are bleeding open. His back is cramped up. He dug for 20 hours. People told him, look, they're gone, accept it. Dug for 30 hours. Like you guys, fathers one day, you dig for your kid forever. 38 hours later, he said, all I could think is the promise I had always made to him. No matter what happens, I'm always going to be there for you. 38 hours later, lifts up a board. Under that is the face of his son. And he looked down upon his son, and his son looked up to him and said, Papa. And his son turned to 14 kids trapped alive with him and said, see, I told you my daddy was coming to get me. I told you that he promised this is the love of God, your father. It doesn't matter how far away you think he's been. Today, he's here to welcome you home. You guys have been an awesome audience. I love you guys. Have a beautiful life. Thank you.